we're in a uh, three-week series uh, called Sunday in the South. For those of you that don't know, I was born and raised, I told you this, in, uh, in the deep south in Arkansas. I met somebody today on the Dream Team that's from Arkansas, and, it, we're, and we're not related, strangely enough. <laughs> so, uh, well, we probably are. We just don't know it. Uh, but uh, I, I love, I love uh, in, uh, the south. I love the south for a lot of different reasons. Texas is kind of the south, and it's kind of its own country. Amen? You know what I mean? It's like Austin's not the South. Austin's weird. It's like its own island inside of the South. And but we're kind of in the hill country. This is kind of the South, you know. And we like uh, there's certain things about the South that we just love. And one of the things I love about this, we told you last week, is I love the Easter season because Easter season is church season. I was watching TV the other day and there was a commercial. I think it's for Burlington Coat Factory. Do you remember Burlington Coat Factory? You remember what I'm talking about there? Anybody ever buy there? Don't be don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid because you like a good bargain. On coats or whatever it is they sell. they sell. They sell everything there. I think it's like a flea market. But anyway, and it was like, it was about Easter clothes. And they said on this commercial, true story, they said on this commercial, they were like, you can get your Easter church clothes. And I thought that's so cool that like this major retailer, because here's the truth. Everybody knows Easter season is church season. And so I thought, man, what better time to preach about one of the things I love to preach about, and that is God's house this season. So we're in a series about church. I love Easter traditions. I love uh, last week, uh, you know, we said that at Sunday in the South, one of the things we do better than anybody else is we know how to throw a party. The church ought to be a party. Let me just go ahead and tell you, if you weren't here last week, let me give you the punchline. The punchline is this. If you go to a church that's more like a funeral than a party, you need to leave. This is me looking at you. I'll tell you, you tell that pastor that I said church ought to be a party. It ought to be life-giving. It ought to be encouraging. I ought to leave church. You ought to leave church smiling, not sad about anything. It doesn't matter how bad your life is. When you come here, you ought to leave with your head held a little bit higher. You ought to leave with your shoulders squared back a little bit and ready to tackle the world. Come on, everybody. Say amen to that. My old pastor used to say, you ought to feel like you should, you, you should be able to whip a bear with a switch. You know what I'm saying? You, just, you ought to be able to walk out of here ready to tackle the world because we throw a party. That's what church ought to be. Matter of fact, last week, we threw a party for 21 people who were baptized and raised a new life. Come on, everybody. That's worth celebrating. That's a big party. Some of you are in this room. I had a guy. We baptized 20 uh, during service last week. And then, uh, and then on Monday, I had, I had a text from a guy a couple of weeks before. And he was like, man, I kind of get anxiety about being, you know, in like crowds and everything. So would you baptize me, you know, like in, in a creek or something? I was like, dude, I'll baptize you in your bathtub. I'll do whatever you want, man. Yes, absolutely. So we went down to the river and it was cold. And uh, we, I, got, I got in the river and I baptized him. Listen, if you're wondering, I wonder if he'll baptize me. The answer is yes. Look at my eyes. Because we just believe church ought to be a party. We'll party in the river. Come on, somebody. When people are raised to brand new life. And so we said last week that Sunday in the South, church ought to be a party. This week, I'm so excited to preach uh, about the church uh, to you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had somebody who sort of over-promised something and then under-delivered to you? Would you just raise your hand? Some of you are married and you're like, yeah, you. Like... <laughs> You joker, you the one. <laughs> Don't do that. I over promise. Has anybody ever told you like this is the best, like the restaurant, like this is the best restaurant ever. You got to go to this restaurant. Oh my gosh, this restaurant is so amazing. And you go and you're like, dude, you're not gonna leave me alone until I go eat at this restaurant. And so you go eat there, and you're eating there, and you're like, this. 
and you text them, and you're like, dude, you got to get out more. This is terrible. This is like all I want is a taco right now. I hate this place. This is the worst place in the world. How could you like this place? But they told us the best restaurant ever or the best movie ever. You have anybody that like goes to see movies? My, my old pastor used to, he, he's in his 60s, and he would, he would go to the movies. He loved going to the movies, and he wanted me to go to the movies and see whatever he had saw. And so he would go see this movie and come back and be like, Mitch, you have got to go see this. the best movie I've ever seen. This is the most incredible movie I've ever seen. I'd like, Pastor, I have two babies, okay? I don't shower every day. I don't have time for the movies. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? Like, if I look at my calendar, I do shower every day. If I look at my calendar, like going to the, all the, all the moms and dads of babies say amen to that. Uh, he would get so mad that I wouldn't go to the movie. He literally got so mad one time. He came back for the movie, and he's like, I just saw the best movie ever, but I'm not telling you because you never go. He just got so, he got so mad. But when you see something like that, you just, man, I, I want it. Like, I want to go see this. Or or you, you ever got, like, one of those emails or Facebook messages that's like, like, there's a Nigerian man, like a prince. Like, I don't know who this Nigerian prince is, but he's got billions of dollars, and he's just ready to give it away to everybody. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever get one of those emails? You're like, all you got to do is send us, like, a picture of your Social Security card and your bank statement, and, and, and like, he's ready to bless you right now. And you just start, you start talking in tongues in front of your computer. You're just happy. God has made a way, and, and, then, and then he makes a way. All right. Some stuff's just too good to be true. Some stuff just seems like, man, it's, I just got to tell somebody about it. There's just some stuff that you experience. You just got to tell everybody about it today. I, that's what we're going to preach about. Last week was, hey, in Sunday in the South, we throw a party. But today, I want to tell you, it's Sundays in the South Church. We tell people about the incredible experience that we have here. That's what I want to talk to you about for the next couple of moments, about telling somebody about the best thing that you've ever experienced. Acts 4 and 20 says this way, We cannot stop telling. We can't stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. There's a man named Simon Peter who had experienced this grace of Jesus. He had experienced this amazing relationship with Jesus. And God had completely changed his life. And in Acts 4, he said, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I, I can't stop telling people about everything that I've seen and heard. Everything that Jesus has done. One of the amazing things about Simon Peter and the rest of the apostles is he was just a regular guy. He was just a fisherman. He, anybody like to fish? Come on. I know you're from Sister Dale. You like to fish. He's just a regular guy. He just And Jesus calls him. He's fishing right off of the boat. Jesus calls him off of the boat and he says, follow me. And for the next three years, listen, Peter has a front row seat to everything that Jesus is doing. Now, I like going to Spurs games, except when we play Golden State. But otherwise, I like going to Spurs games. But I love going to Spurs games when I have good tickets. Amen, everybody? So I'm just throwing that out there for your blessing pleasure. Anyway, I like going to Spurs tickets. I'm, I'm kidding. I like going to Spurs tickets when I have good tickets. I, my, my pastor, he had season tickets to the Spurs. And so I can afford the seats way up there, like for $15 when you look down and you're like, is that Kawhi or not? Do I see corn rolls? What is that right there? Who is that? But my pastor's seats, are, he's got season tickets, and they're great seats. I love going to the Spurs game when I have great seats. Here, here's the reason why I tell you every week that you ought to be serving in God's house. You ready for this? Here's the reason why I preach to you so passionately about serving in God's house. Because serving here gives you better seats to all that God is doing in this church. 
If there's just something about, you can hear about 20 people who were baptized, but there's some people in this room who got to hand a towel to somebody when they got up out of that water and God had completely changed their lives. There's something about having a front row seat to that. Amen? There's something about sort of getting up close and seeing Jesus change lives. and Jesus transform people. And that's what Peter had. P- Peter was there. He saw blind eyes open up. He saw people who could not walk stand up and start walking. He saw lepers who no one could touch. Jesus touched them and they were healed. He saw Lazarus who was dead for four days. The Bible said he stunk. He stinketh is what the Bible said. Peter was there. He saw him raised from the dead. Peter got a front row seat to all of this stuff. He didn't just see Jesus walk on water. Peter actually walked on water with Jesus. He had a front row seat to everything that God was doing in the earth right there. He wasn't just a spectator sitting back. It's why you ought to be in growth track today. Because there's just something about getting a front row seat to what God's doing in the land. Say amen to that. Peter sort of had that experience, that front row experience. And Peter and all of the they were there when Jesus was crucified. They were there when he was buried. And when Mary Magdalene found that tomb empty, she went to Peter. And Peter looked in the tomb and he saw it was empty. And I love how the Bible says this. It says he went away wondering. I can see this. I can sort of see this. You know what happened. I've got a front row seat to you doing all of this amazing, miraculous stuff. And now I've seen with my own eyes. Where we buried you, you aren't there anymore. And that's sort of where the story picks up. Let's continue to read in Acts 1. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, During the 40 days after after Jesus suffered and died, He appeared to the apostles from time to time. I don't know. Let me stop right here. I don't know how this happened. In my mind, they're kind of chilling on the couch watching Golden Girls. And they're like, they're like, he's just, and and I can say, if I'm Peter, I'm like, ah, don't stop that. Don't ever do that to me again. But the Bible just says he just appeared to them from time to time. That would freak me right out. I would have to sit down with Jesus and be like, look, dude, I'm all about this resurrection, but you're freaking me out right now. Quit that. Like, quit, quit appearing like that. That's scaring me a little bit. But he did just that. He appeared to them from time to time. He appeared to the apostles. And, and when he would do that, he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Skip down in verse 8, Acts 1 and 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen, and you will be my, everybody shout, witnesses. You, come on, first service was better than that. Shout witnesses. Yeah, you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I want you to write this down in your notes. He said, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen, especially if you were raised in a spirit-filled environment like I was. This is called the law of first mentioned. This means that what comes in the Bible in, in, in order, it's an order of importance. And the first thing the Bible mentions, what happened to you when the Holy Spirit comes on you, is not that you'll cast out devils. It's not that you'll heal the sick. It's that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the first thing, the most important thing I want you to know, is you will be my witnesses. You're going to tell people what's happening to you. I don't know if you have a sibling like I do, but when you got in trouble, I would go to my little brother and I would say, hey, listen, buddy. When mama asks what we doing, you're my witness where I am, right? You're my witness. Anybody ever said that to your sibling? Like, hey, dude, you're my witness. Like, I, like I, if, if anybody asks, you're my witness. You saw me here, right? I'm, I'm here. You see me in church, don't you? Tell everybody if mama wants to know, 
You're my witness. Jesus goes to these disciples and he says, hey, there are going to be some people who question whether or not the resurrection happened. He said, guys, listen to me. You're my witnesses. You're my witness that I can heal the sick. You're my witness that I can open blind eyes. You're my witness. You were there. You saw. You went into that tomb where Lazarus was. You saw that he was raised from the dead. Jesus said, guys, you're my witnesses. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. God did not just save you to keep you out of hell. Salvation is more than fire insurance. Say amen, everybody. It's more than just keeping you out of hell. Salvation, God saved you so that you could be His witness and tell everybody in your world, hey, listen, I was blind and now I see. I've seen God change lives. I know where I was and what I was going through and how broken I was and how messed up we were and how addicted I was and how sick we were. And God changed my life. And I want to tell you, I'm I'm a witness of that. God did not just save you. He didn't, grace did not just find you so that you could sit back and we get in this holy huddle. Now listen close. This is church. This church is not about just us getting around and talking to each other about what God's done. If you go to a church where all it is is us four and no more, and you never see new faces, and you never look around and see church growing and more people, and more, if that's the way that happens, I'm telling you, you, you this is, you're not in the right place. Because you and I are supposed to go tell somebody. He said, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. It's not just so we could sing songs to each other and reminisce about the good old days. No, no, no. He said, I expect you to go tell everybody, Peter, everything that you've seen. And that you've heard. Say amen to that. And Every Sunday. You're experiencing. I'm experiencing. You and I have a front row seat. To God changing lives forever. And he said it's not enough for you to just keep coming and experiencing that. To keep coming and watching that. He said you're going to have to be my witnesses. You're going to have to tell somebody. You can't be selfish with my grace. You can't just. You can't just. You got to go tell somebody. Now listen let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a big poster board on top of a, of a pole that says you know you're going to go to hell or whatever. whatever. Like to turn or burn. I'm not talking about that. I, that's not what we do. We, we don't stand on the street corner with a bullhorn and, and tell everybody. I, dear brothers and sisters, I don't watch March Madness competitions of the devil. You don't. We don't do that. Okay. If you're looking for a church that does that, this is not your church. Let me. I have a list of good churches in the area that may do that. But we don't. We don't do that here. That's not what I'm. That's not the kind of witness that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you boycotting Home Depot because you read somewhere on the internet that their executives believe in female angels or something. I don't. I, what? I, we don't boycott anybody here. Come on, somebody. I watched Beauty and the Beast. Let me go ahead and tell you, all right? I'm out there, Jerry. I'm just going to tell you. We don't do that. I'm not boycotting everything that comes. That, the, it's the world. They, they act like the world acts. I tell you what my job is. My job is to tell everybody out there everything that I've seen God do in here. My job is to tell somebody I've seen Him change lives and raise the dead and transform marriages and heal the sick. And I want, I'm His witness of that. I was there when He did it. And I'm that witness. So the, the witnessing is not, it's not near as complex as you think it is. It's not near, it, it's not being, a, it's amazing to me that, that, that we, it, you know, instead of just saying things, instead of t- talking about, you know, did you see that, that, that shot Kawhi hit? Witnessing is just simple. It's just saying, hey man, you should have been at church Sunday. My, I, I'm just giving you some four instances. My pastor is the funniest guy in the world. 
I don't know. I'm just throwing some stuff out there. I'm just trying to get some conversation started. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying. I don't, you don't have to say that exactly. You can talk about how good I look. Whatever it is that comes to you. I want you to be spirit led. I'm just trying to prompt some stuff for you. I'm just talking about, I'm just being me. I'm not being weird. I'm just being me. I'm just wit- I'm just telling you I'm a witness to what God's doing. I have a front row seat to lives being transformed, to hearts being changed, to marriages being put back in this room. People in this room I've met with that their marriage should have moved the other. It should have just broke apart and God put it all back together. People in this room who come to this church dead and broken. They they went through the motions of church, but they never had a life-giving encounter with Jesus. This church changed their... I had a front row seat to that. I was there when 20 people, we buried their past and tears fell. I, I, I was with a guy this past week and we baptized Sunday at men's conference and he he told me he said pastor it's amazing I come up out of the water he said everything's the same except me (laughs) everything's the same except I'm different come on everybody I was a witness to that I met that guy when he was the old guy and I was there when we buried him and he raised to a brand new life now I'm the witness to life change amen everybody and our job your job my just especially during this Easter season Our job is to tell somebody what we have found. That's my job. It's not my job to tell everybody what's wrong with them. Here, Let me give you the easiest way I would describe what being a witness is. Would you write this down? Being a witness is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Let me say it again. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I know this is hard to believe by looking at me in my slim cut shirt, but I like food. I know, I'm just as shocked as you are, but I, I do, I really do, I love me some food, I do not, I, there's some people who eat to live, I live for Bluebell, amen, everybody, I just, I love me some food, and if I, listen, if my family was starving, my first obligation is, I'm going to find them food, that's what you would do, right, if your family, if your kids, if your wife, they're starving, I'm going to find them food, but then, I tell you what I do, because I love you, because my friends are here, these are my family, come on, everybody, this is my family, everybody. This dream team, we do life together. I'd call the whole dream team and I'd say, hey, I found somewhere that has food. That's all the witnessing is. It's just going to somebody and go, hey, man, I was just like you. We were hungry just like you were. We went to a church that was dead and cold and lifeless just like you did. Hey, man, I was addicted to the same problem you've been battling. Hey, man, I know what it's like for your My marriage was struggling. And then I found something that changed everything for me. That's all witnessing is. It's just going to somebody and saying, hey, listen, I have found something that's forever changed my life. And I think you need, I just want you to experience it. I want you to have it. It's not, it's not weird. It, you don't have to know everything in this Bible. You don't have to know all the story. If somebody asks you whether angels are male and female, just say, yeah, yeah, I think they are. <laughs> you don't have to know everything. All you have to know is, I found something that fed my family. And I think it will help yours too. And this church, listen, and especially during this Easter season, i got to tell you, it is God's will for you. And It's amazing. We don't mind telling people. It's so funny. We're not afraid that if we tell somebody to go eat at a restaurant, they're like, oh, you just want me to go to the restaurant because you think I'm skinny, don't you? I can't believe you would dare ask me to go to that restaurant. That's offensive to me that you would say, we don't care what their response is. We, if we find a good restaurant, we just tell everybody. Everybody ought to go to Torchy's Tacos. 
Everybody ought to go to Torchy's Tacos. Google it. I promise you on this. Everybody ought to go to Torchy's. I, it's not that I'm, I think you're wrong. I just, I just wanted to. We, we think it's fine when somebody tells us about a movie. You just want me to go see Zootopia. I cannot believe I am so offended that you would ask me to go to a movie with you. Listen, that most of the time people are going to say, I can't believe you invited me to church. I am so offended. You probably think I'm a sinner. What are you trying to say? I'm going to hell? No, man. I'm just trying to say, God's changed my life. I was just going to tell you. Uh, most of the time, your fear is trumped up in your mind. Most of the time, people are going, tell me where you found bread. Tell me where you found hope. Tell me how things have changed about you. Tell me where life comes from. How do you love church as much as you do? What, what, what happened to you? Tell me what. I just I, Listen, I'm just a witness. This is what I've seen and what I've heard. It's amazing how fearful we get about that. Instead of, instead of I just want you to, instead of saying, hey, listen, this is just just about us. This is just about our church. I think we're good now. We got enough chairs. Listen, I promise you we're going to reach for more and more and more people. And this is the reason why. Listen to this. Second Corinthians says it this way. He says, all of this is for your benefit. Listen. And as God's grace, listen close, reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Look at my eyes and let me tell you, as the leader of this house, listen to me very closely. If you like a small church, this is about to be the worst church you've ever attended. Because I'm telling you what's all over the country. I'm not, I'm, I have no reason to lie to you. I get phone calls. Last night at 10 o'clock at night, someone called me from around the country and said, how, do you, how are there hundreds of people at City Hills? We haven't baptized 21 people in, in 21 years. How, how, well, what's happening over there? I say, listen, all I know is this. We're going to keep reaching more and more people and more and more people. And as we reach more and more people, God gets more and more glory. And every time somebody's baptized, He gets more glory. And every time somebody says yes to Jesus, He gets more glory. Come on, everybody. That's our job is reaching more and more and more until everybody knows until Jesus runs this town I'm going to keep pushing you to bring somebody invite somebody find somebody who's broken and hurting and needs hope and life until we reach more every time we reach more and more people the Bible says God gets more and more glory when we've received grace we've got to share grace with more and more people that's why you hear me say often and I want you to write this down that found people Find people. I need a handkerchief today. My God, I'm preaching like the old school. I'm liable to get. Mm. No, but seriously, I need a handkerchief. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. It's amazing what happens when you, when you finally get to the point in your life when you realize this is not just about me. You know why we do, you know why I'm pushing you this Easter? You know why I'm preaching about growing and preaching about our church, reaching for more people? You know why I'm preaching about God's house? Let me tell you why. This is true. Because in San Antonio, Texas, there are 1.5 million people who do not claim a local church family. Who do not say, I faithfully attend, I'm a member of, I'm planted at a local church. There's a million and a half people who do not have a vibrant, life-giving relationship with Christ. Who are hopeless and in a hopeless situation. Maybe a marriage is crumbling. Maybe an addiction. Maybe worried about their future. And God, when you, you want to know why. I had somebody tell me when we started this church. Why another church? Have you been around San Antonio? There's big churches. There's huge churches making big impact. There's a lot of people who've been sowing seed and, and harvesting for a a long time, long before we got here. Here's what I tell. I point back to this and I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, I, I, of, of all the people that they're reaching, there's still a million and a half people who say, I just wish somebody would invite me to the table. 
I just know there's got to be more. I just know there's got to be something else. And listen, their answer is not in, in, in a bottle or in pills or in entertainment or sex or money. I know you're looking around and, and you know, we're in an affluent suburb and you think, man, who here wants, you know, no, nobody here wants, wants to hear that, you know, they need, they don't need anything. Let me tell you something. I promise you there are people in this community, in an affluent community who go, man, I just wish there was more. There's got to be more than big houses and nice cars. There's got to be more than money and, and, and good jobs I'm telling you there's somebody waiting for somebody else to say hey listen I just want to I just I just I'm a witness to what he's done he's changed my life and I think he can change yours and our job is to find more and more people because found people find people say amen to that let me point you to a story this is kind of where we're gonna the crux of our time together the next 10-15 minutes together the crux of our story is found in John. Now, if you're new to the Bible, John's a great book to start with. John talks about the deity of Jesus more than any other book in the Bible. It talks about how Jesus has God come to us. And, and John has a unique, uh, John is not one of the synoptic gospels. John uh, doesn't tell all the stories the other three gospels tell. John, you'll get unique stories and unique perspective from the gospel of John. I love this. This is the only time the story shows up in the Bible. John 1 and 43 says this way. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Now listen, here, here's some language I want you to underline. If you have a physical Bible or you have you version, I want you to underline this sentence. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Let me just stop here and tell you. You don't find Jesus because he's not lost. Jesus finds you. You're the one lost. Amen, everybody? Jesus said, I'm not lost here. Philip's the one lost. And Jesus found Philip in his lost state. And he says to Philip, follow me. I want you to follow me. Let me ask you a series of questions. I want you to ask you just a couple of questions really quick. Here's the first one. When did grace find you? Do you remember the time that God found you? Do you remember the time you met your spouse? Everybody, come on. If you're all the men, you better raise your hand right now. Good. You don't even have to remember it. They're not going to ask you. You just have to pretend you remember it. Keith. This is... I remember when I met Brandy. She had chased me for... Oh, God. It was... I was wore down. I'm kidding. I remember, I, remember the day, I remember the day we met, and she got in the car, and I got in the car. And we were kind of old school back in the day. We were, we were online dating before, like, like with dial-up. Come on, somebody. Like... We were emailing. True story. Y'all, it's like, it's like it, was, it was the original eHarmony. Come on, somebody. And and uh, we had we had traded email. It's true, we traded email at, at a at a youth deal, at a church deal. And she gets out of the car, and I get out of the car, and we're like, oh, oh yeah, you're from the church, of the church, yeah. And I remember that day. You you remember that day? Here, the, the the number one reason I really believe people don't witness, they don't tell somebody about what God's done in their life, if they forgot the day that grace found them. You've forgotten how bad off you really were, especially if you've served God for a long time. You've forgotten what it's like to come to God when you were broken, when everything was falling apart, when your marriage was in shambles, when you were addicted, when you maybe you were just a good guy, but you were just lifeless. I, let me tell you, grace did not find me the very first time I gave my heart to Jesus. I was eight years old. I never forget I was at a youth camp and I was on a platform in that youth camp. Now, y'all know I grew up in that old school Pentecostal. That's kind of how I do. I told y'all that's just who I am. And I was on the platform and I remember the place was going crazy. If y'all don't know, you just don't know. The place was going crazy. And I remember I had an encounter with God that was, I'm telling you, it was amazing. But I was eight years old. I just, I'm not discounting what happened. I'm just telling you, that's not when grace found me. But I do remember. I do remember 
in my late teens having that experience with God when nobody was around. The place wasn't going up in smoke. But I knew who I was, cold and distant and far from God. Not in a life-giving, engaging relationship. And I remember when God changed everything for me. Some of us need to remember who we used to be. Some of us need to remember how far we've come. How God has changed. You need to remember the day grace found. Philip said, it was, just a, it was a normal day and Jesus found Philip. Some of you have that story where your life was messed up and in shambles and you were addicted and hopeless and depressed and on the verge of suicide and broke and busted. Grace found you. Jesus finds Philip. And the story continues. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. I think it's interesting that that, that the writer that John would say this. Here's the reason I think John did this. It's because... Jesus had already called Andrew and Peter and he was kind of connecting the dots that Philip used to hang out with Andrew and Peter. Y'all look at my eyes. There's some of y'all's friends y'all used to roll with. Your clique you used to roll with. You know what I'm talking about down on the west side. Y'all know how y'all used to do. And John said, listen, Philip was one of them boys that used to do that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. He was with Andrew and, and, and Peter. Y'all know what they used to do. John's sort of making, reading between the lines, John's going, hey, Philip is one of the guys that used to hang out with, you remember Andrew and Peter, y'all remember what they did? Okay, Philip was the wingman, okay? Philip drove the getaway car. <laughs> He's like, Philip's the guy in college that was the designated driver. I'm, I'm, come on, everybody. He said, I just want to make the connection. Philip was connected to Andrew and Peter. Look at me. God will almost always send you somebody who you're connected to. Rarely is it going to be on a street corner with you and a bullhorn just telling the whole world. It's probably going to be somebody you know. It's probably going to be somebody you rolled with. It's probably going to be somebody from the west side. Come on, somebody you used to hang out with. You know what I'm saying? One of you boys. It's probably going to be one of the one of the girls you went to college with and your sorority. It's probably going to be a cousin, an auntie, a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker. He said, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the same town of Bethesda. Now listen close. Verse 45. And Philip found Nathaniel. And told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I need a couple of guys. Come here, right right here on the front row. Yep, yep, a couple of guys. Come here, come here. You stand over here. You guys hang out over here. Good looking Hungarian, good looking dudes. Single? No? Yes? Okay, (laughs) all right. Not single, half single. The Hungarian single. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus finds Philip. Jesus finds Philip. And there's no more story that happens. We have to, everything has to be implied. But here's what I know that happens. I know that when Jesus finds Philip, everything in Philip's life starts changing. Everybody notices Philip's different. Something's different about him. Andrew and Peter used to hang out with Philip. And now they're all together following Jesus. Jesus has found Philip. And now Philip is a follower of Jesus. And the Bible says that for whatever reason, they get back into Bethsaida. They get back to the town they all grew up in. And the next line is this. Philip finds Nathaniel. He finds somebody else. Listen close. Because found people find people. 
And all that he tells him is, he doesn't give him a Bible study. He doesn't tell him about the triunity of our God. He doesn't talk about the pre-tribulation or post-tribulation. He doesn't talk about doctrine or theology or none of that. All that he does is, he says, hey, listen, I found you and we found Jesus. He said, we have found the one who Moses talked about. Let me tell you how easy witnessing is. It's just Jesus finding you and you finding somebody else. It's just Jesus changing your life and you going to somebody else and saying, hey man, I just want you to know what's happened to me. And then he pulls him close and he says, hey, we have found Jesus here. Let me tell you how God's going to grow this church and every church that's experiencing revival. Let me tell you how God's going to reach your family. It will not be, it will not be through a billboard or a TV commercial. Our church does all that. We're, we have a faithful a partner who, who invested in us. We're mailing out 25,000 homes. We're, we're inviting them to Easter, a giant mail out. We have door hangers. Come on, somebody, next week. You're going to get door hangers. You can go in the middle of the night so somebody don't shoot you. And your whole neighborhood. We have thousands of invitations out there. But listen, all that we're going to spend thousands of dollars in social media marketing tonight. Tonight, you'll see on our social media channels, we'll drop all of our, all of our Easter stuff. You're going to share it. You're going to share it. Shake your head this way. You're going to share it. You're going to invite all your friends. You're going to do all that. But listen, social media and Facebook and billboards and direct mail, that's not how God's going to reach the world. God's going to reach the world because Jesus finds Philip. And Philip says, I can't keep this to myself. I've seen too much. i got to tell somebody. Nathaniel, I found somebody and I'm finding you. Say amen to that. Have a seat, guys. Because found people find people. His name's Caleb, by the way, if you're interested. I'm kidding, his dad's back there. I'm, I'm getting done. <laughs> Found people find people. It's amazing. There's no more story given. It's just Jesus finds Philip and Philip finds Nathaniel. There's some people in your life that God is depending on you. God is depending. Here's the second question I want to ask you Who is counting on you? Who's the Nathaniel in your life that's counting on you to tell them about hope that you found? Who is counting on you to sort of tell? Who's that single mom in your life? Who, who's, that, who's that single mom who's hoping for a smile, hoping for a hug, hoping for an invitation to lunch after Easter Sunday? Who's that family who just moved into your brand new neighborhood? They're in a new town and a new job and their kids went to a new school. They left everything they know and all they are praying for right now is that God would send somebody along that they could be friends with and family with, that God would give them a new church and somewhere around Easter. Who's that married couple? Who's that newly divorced man? Who's that co-worker who's battling depression? Who's that cousin who's been asking you to pray for them? Who is counting on you? Who's the Nathaniel in your life saying, I just wish somebody would come find me? There's somebody counting on you to tell the story. You can't depend on direct mail. We'll do it. You can't depend on Facebook. We'll do it. You can't depend on billboards and signs. We'll do all of that. And fly. There's some people in this church who came here just because they saw our flags. We'll do all of that. But more than likely, there's a Nathaniel in your life who's just counting on you. Come on, Philip. He's just saying, hey, tell me what you've seen and heard. You're telling me he can change people's lives? You, you don't know how bad I am. And Philip would say, listen, all I know is this. I saw dead people get up. I, I, all I know is this. I saw blind people who aren't blind anymore. All I know is this. I saw him feed 15,000 people with just with, with a, few, a few pieces of bread and a few fish. I just, I'm just telling you what I've seen and heard. And Philip goes to Nathaniel back in the same town he grew up in. 
And he says, hey, listen, it happened to Andrew. It happened to Peter. And it's happened to me. Found people, find people. Who, who's counting on you? Who is it in your life that God's put in your sphere of influence? There are people that are gonna that you can touch that I can't. I don't care how much we share a Facebook event. I don't care how many times we. There's just some people in your life that are looking for you. They're at, they're waiting on your invitation. They're looking at your life, saying, I, "What what where where do you go to church now? What's happening in you? What's what's transpired? Something's different about you. There's just people in your world. There's somebody counting on you this Easter. Listen to me." Who's counting on you? Who is it? Who's that neighbor? Who's that coworker? Who's that family member that's been praying? Somebody would share. Somebody would just tell me. Now, here's, here's the truth of the matter. There's a lot of people that don't know how to share that. And, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm an inspirational preacher, but I don't like going to a church and getting a ton of inspiration. Nobody tells me how to do it. Let me tell you how to do it. You ready for this? Here's, here's, a, here's a third question you may be asking. How do I share grace? Like, what do I do? How do I how, how do I tell people? How do I, how do I tell people this is what you do? I'm going to give you a crash course. I'm going to give you about two minutes because it's all I've got in how to win people. How, how it is this Easter I want you to reach for people. Come on, musicians, let's come. So I'll quit preaching. Here we go. I want you, we got to go to growth track. Thank Ken's just waiting. He knew it was time. Here's three ways that you share grace. It's real simple. Number one, you got to accept the personal responsibility. There's an operative word in all of these things, and it's personal. It's just about you. You have to accept the personal responsibility. There's somebody in your life that I'm responsible for. That I, I, I am responsible for sharing this. I am responsible. Listen, you don't have to do everything. All you got to do is throw out a life preserver. You don't, listen, if somebody's drowning in a swimming pool, you don't have to be a trained lifeguard. You know what you do? You just look for a life preserver and throw it. That's it. You don't wonder whether or not I've been trained properly. You don't have to be trained to win somebody to Jesus this Easter, to bring somebody to church. Listen, let me give you a little secret. Look at my eyes. You know why we started the church like this? It's so that you could do what I can't do, and I'll do what you can't do, and together people will meet Jesus. You don't have to do Listen, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to preach to them. That's my job. I'll do that. I don't have all the answers, but I'll, I'll preach. You don't have to know. You don't have to. I, I promise you. But there's some people I can't reach. If you'll do what only you can do. I do this Easter what only I can do. Listen close. You're going to change the world. I really believe it's God's will this Easter for our church to double. You ready for that? It's the reason why we started the third service. The reason why on Easter there's three services. At 9 o'clock, at 1045. And then for some of you, that they can go to some other church in the morning. You, you tell them. Tell them I said. You go to your dead church in the morning and then come to mine at 1230. Look at me. Tell them I said that. If it's boring where you went to church, when you get out, come to mine at 1230. Because we throw a party every week. This church ought to be the most exciting. This ought to be the place I get as close to heaven as I possibly can. I make no apologies for that. It's just my responsibility. It's your responsibility. The second way you do it, you got to share your personal story. You don't have to tell everything. You just have to tell what happened to you. It's not about what this is what I think, you know, my church is kind of a, you don't have to explain nothing about, all you got to do is tell what happened to you. Listen, I was cold and I, we were going to church, but we were just kind of going through the motions. Then I came to this church and God changed everything and I just love it. And I, I'm just telling you, in our lives, man, we've gotten closer to God than we've ever, that's just my story. 
I came to this church bound and addicted. God set me free. I'm just telling you my story. I, I was broken. Our marriage was broken. Here's, here's what happened to me. Peter, just tell what you saw. Peter said, we just can't stop telling what we've seen and heard. Just tell what happened to you. And the last thing to do is just give a personal invitation. Grab one of those. Yeah, come on. It's real simple. It's just Justin. Hey, listen, man. I know we've been boys for a while. and You know, I've been going to this new church. And they meet in elementary school. It's the craziest thing in the world. But since I started going to that church, everything, like, everything's gotten better. My marriage is better. My kids love that church. I don't know why, man. Every time I go, I raise my hands because everybody else is. And the little guy up front's jumping around. And... I just start crying. I don't know why. I just feel God's presence there. So this Easter, we have three services, man. And Dude, I don't know if y'all go to church anywhere. I don't think you do, man. I'd love your whole family to come sit with me. I'll take you to lunch afterwards. I'll take you to breakfast beforehand. I just, would you come with me? Now listen, that just seems like a simple invitation. Until this happens. Listen close. John 1 and 46, he said, Nathaniel answers, and he says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You're going to meet skeptics along the way that say, I don't know about that. That, that seems weird to me. I don't know. You're, you're, this Easter, in the next two weeks, you're going to meet somebody who, who is a skeptic and says, I don't know if it's really all about, do you have to do all that? I don't know about, I don't know if it takes all that jumping. I don't know if you, I don't know if it's all about. And, and listen, all that Philip says, he doesn't say, well, here's what the Bible says and here's how my preacher said. And here. He just says, listen, I don't know what to tell you. Just come and see. Just come and see. Like, just come and see. Just come this Easter with me. Just, I just want to invite you to come this Easter with me. Have a seat. Just come this Easter. Just come and see. And then, and then the most amazing thing happens. He said, just when you come and see. Verse 47 says, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, listen, he said about Nathanael, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Catch this. You can't miss this. Hang on just a second, guys. Listen close. Jesus says about Nathaniel, the skeptic. He said, here comes an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And verse 48, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? It's amazing what happens when people come to church and they go, you told the preacher what we've been going through, haven't you? <laughs> you you've been telling our business. No, no, no. It's amazing what happens. That Nathaniel goes, how did you know me? Jesus says what may be the most beautiful language in all of the New Testament. He says, I saw you while you were still under the tree before Philip even called you. Look at my eyes. There's some people who are crying today, now, at 11.56 a.m. There's some people crying by a bedside looking for hope. And Jesus said, I saw you. I heard you when you cried. I heard you when you cried yourself to sleep over your marriage. I heard you when, you when you said, I wish I could get out of this. I wish I could lay this down. And before Philip ever invited you to church, Nathaniel, I saw you. I saw you. Over the next two weeks, listen to me. I don't want you to be intimidated because he sees them. He's already preparing the hearts. He's already talking to your coworkers so that when you get there, Philip, they go, how did he know me? 
because I heard you. And then verse 49, Nathaniel declared. He looked right at Jesus. In three verses, listen. In verse 46, he said, I don't know if I believe all this. Three verses later, he said, Rabbi, you're the son of the living God. You're the king of all of Israel. In three short verses, he goes from a skeptic to a believer. How? A simple invitation. Come and see. Just just come and see. I just think I found something that I think would help you. Stand to your feet all over the house. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your notes. Everybody have notes? I want you to grab a pen. Everybody has your sermon notes. Uh, Come here again, Caleb. Come here again, Justin. Come here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Stand behind me. Stand right behind me. Listen. I want you to write at the top of your notes. Everybody, if you're not writing in your phone or I'm wondering what's happening to you, why you don't follow instructions. I want you to write Jesus at the top. Right at the top of your notes. I want you to write your name. Philip, Ricardo, Justin, Jim, Jason, Amy. Write your, Hannah, write your name. Write your name. Chris, write your name. Write the, just Brandy, write your name. Jesus, Philip. And then listen close. I want you to write the name of your Nathaniel. I want you to write that guy that you've been praying for to come to church this Easter. I want you to write the name of that girl that, that's it's your neighbor, it's your family that just moved there, of, of the cousin that you, of the aunt or uncle or, or, or the spouse, or some of you, it's your spouse or your kids that you're going to invite this Easter. I want you to write their name down. Come on. And I, I want you, over the next two weeks, I want you to remember Jesus found me, found people, find people. And I want you to look for the invitation. When you leave today, we're going to give you a stack. Listen to me, don't you take five of them. These aren't giving envelopes. Come on, everybody. These are invitations to hope. I promise you this on Easter Sunday. Look at my eyes. I will not embarrass you. I'll wear a suit even. I'll tuck my shirt in. I will. You're welcome. I will wear a suit just for you. I won't embarrass you. Listen to me. I'll I'll preach like a good Baptist. I promise I'll be good. We won't embarrass you. Nobody here will do anything strange. But I promise you what I will do. I'll preach hope like you've never heard resurrection. I'll I'll do what only what God called me to do and that's to give people hope that seem hopeless give people life who seem lifeless I'm going to preach it just as strong as I possibly can and if you'll fill this house three times we're going to see hundreds of people say yes to Jesus that day amen everybody we're going to see Philip and Nathaniel we're going to see people get born again that you never would have imagined Nathaniel back when he was doing what he was doing. You know, we used to roll deep together in Bethsaida. You know what I'm saying? Andrew and Peter and Philip finds Nathaniel. Now bow your heads. Thank you guys. Find, find a hand to somebody standing beside you. And I want you to call that person's name out, whoever your Nathaniel is. I want you to begin to pray. Father, I pray over the next couple of weeks. God, I know it's your will that found people. God, you found me. I remember the day you changed my life. I remember the day when I was 18 that everything changed. Everything. I remember when you called me to preach. I remember when grace found me where I was, cold and lifeless and hopeless. And I remember when you changed everything about me. I remember coming up out of that water, feeling like a brand new person. I remember when you baptized me with power and 
the fire of the Holy Spirit. I remember that day. I remember the day when everything changed. And in light of that, God, I, I, I got to find somebody. I'm praying. Come on, call their name out loud. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for John. I'm praying for Susan. I'm, pray, I'm praying for Liz. I'm, pray, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for Casey. I'm praying. I'm pray, moving their life right now, God. God, over the next two weeks, I'm going to invite them. I'm just going to share my story, what you've done in my life. Father, I plead the blood over them. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll, you'll meet them right where they are under their fig tree, that you hear them before I ever get to them. You know them, God. You know their story. You've heard their cry. You heard them when they were asking God for hope and life. And, and God, I pray in Jesus' name over the next couple of weeks that, God, you would literally transform whole families, whole neighborhoods, whole office complexes, whole assembly lines, everybody at my job, everybody in my office, everybody on my block, everybody in my kids' school, all the other moms in my preschool would know that I found something that I think they need. There'd be an invitation to hope. And this Easter, City Hills would be absolutely life-changing for so many people. Because found people find people. I thank you that you found me. In Jesus' name.